0: Well, that certainly does represent our prayer today on Independence Day, and I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today in God's Word. Um, I think some of the most important principles that we can learn, and really some of those same principles that helped found our country, uh, we find in God's Word, and they not only animate our lives and our thinking when it would come to politics or freedom, but they animate our souls, our hearts, when we think about the, the reason we were created and what God wants us to do. So just for fun, before we get into that, I have one interactive piece for you. Uh, just to think about your answer to this question, what is your favorite July 4th memory and what makes the holiday special to you? All right. So, what I'd like you to do is turn to someone around you who you do not, who do not come with, someone, someone else, someone new. Give them your first name and give them your best answer at this question, what's your favorite July 4th memory? I'll give you 30 seconds for that starting right now. All right, well, there are a lot of fun memories to reminisce about and hopefully maybe some fun memories being created even today. Um, Maybe someday in the future we remember the day that Abraham Lincoln visited your church. That was kind of a fun memory and uh, there might be some things still ahead here in the day to come with family, friends, fireworks, whatever it might be that you do to celebrate. Um, And then even more so, and what I want to challenge us with in just the next few moments, is to be able to celebrate what it actually means. Some of these principles that we would say are American principles that we see they're actually part of something a lot bigger than just America. Um, So, today is also the beginning of a new series at our church. When we think about content, we, we block it together in series. Sometimes we go through books of the Bible. Sometimes we walk through different principles in life that are needed. And I don't know about you, but when I think about our country and what we're celebrating today, I feel like there are some things that really need to get talked about when we think about America's future. So, our series for this month of July Uh, We're calling American Reset, and what we're going to do each week is just walk through a principle of what it means to be an American, but not just in this sort of American playing field. There's a higher vision that this is all attached to. America was just one of the few places in the world, and our founding fathers were one of the few groups of leaders that recognized that something bigger was happening in the universe than just their agenda. And so when they initiated this sort of experiment of human liberty, what they were tapping into was not just a great new political idea, but actually the very purpose and nature of what it means to be human beings, and what it means to live together. So personally, I think about that, and I, I see that vision, I believe that vision, but I don't, I'm assuming you would agree with me when you look out at the nation we live in today there's division, there's misunderstanding, there's a whole bunch of poison flowing out there that, that perverts, distorts, maybe even destroys what America was founded to be and what this liberty experiment is all about. So at least in our little corner of the world with a few of us here, we're going to talk about those ideals and what they're supposed to mean, how God's Word gives us light to understand the purpose of our lives and then how that also animates us as we think about our nation, all right? So just to kind of answer an obvious question, why do a series like this in church? Like why not just sort of stay straight up, you know, doctrine, gospel, Christian living? That's usually what we talk about, but why is it important to sometimes pause from that and think about the nation that we live in? I've got five reasons to offer you. One is our mission and our destiny personally are intertwined with the nation that we live in. So none of us can deny that. Um, the, the political system that we live under, whether it's freedom or tyranny, like that's going to have immense impact on how it is that we move forward as believers in this world. So we, we at minimum, we care what happens. Um, here's another reason: the shared ideals that make America are part of our culture, helping preserve and shape those is an opportunity. Uh, I, I look at God's Word and I think about that verse that says that we're to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And, and I think about that in reference to my own life and in reference to our whole church life, corporate life together. I think, you know, any time there's an opportunity to influence for what is good— uh, to, to influence for justice or love or mercy or freedom, we want to take that. Uh, those things are baked into what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so any platform we can stand on that allows us to do that, we, we stand on it. We, we utilize those opportunities. And here in America, we're so grateful that we have the freedom to each have a voice. And so when we decide that we'll stand up for America, it's not, it's not because America in and of itself fulfills our purpose in life. It doesn't. America is just the context in which you and I are going to live out our purpose in life. So we want to leverage every opportunity we can to find and maximize that purpose. Another reason is that what Edmund Burke said long ago, he said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And so if those of us who have these ideals in our heart, if we sit on the sidelines and let the world pass by, then we should not be surprised when you flip on the news and things are going the wrong direction. Uh, the only way that changes is if people like you and I mobilize, if we pray, if we seek God personally ourselves, if we live out these principles ourselves, and then if we're involved. Uh, the fourth reason is the ideals of, if ideals of human purpose, justice, and freedom are not spoken of in church, where will they be spoken of? Now, maybe 150 years ago, if someone asked that question, they would have said, well, churches don't need to cover that because it's, it's everywhere in culture. People like Abe Lincoln were up giving speeches like what we just heard, and all those principles were baked into the, the recipe of what it meant to be an American community. Well, that's certainly not true now. Uh, you, you go to media, you go to music, you go to school, you go to work, you go to government. Is, is, is there anywhere where you would say reliably The vision and principles of liberty are living, being spoken of, uh, offered clarity on. Well, I don't see that. And so I think, well, that that gives, again, this is an opportunity for you and I as believers in Jesus and for us as a church to say, let's seize that opportunity and let's be that voice that our country needs uh, to stay on the right track. And then the fifth reason, if we don't lead, someone else will. This is always true in every area of life. If we don't go after the next generation, someone else will. If we don't define America for the 21st century, someone else will. And so I would rather go down swinging. I would rather say, well, we're, we're going to do the best we can with the power that we have to define the culture and country we live in and, and to try to do that because we love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves, to do that for the good of the world. And, and then to do that so that the light of the gospel can keep shining and that we have the freedom uh, to keep pursuing God without some tyrant telling us what to do. Um, so, there, there's a lot about American folklore and American history that we might look back and we say, yeah, that wasn't quite right, or that, that, that took it over the top a little bit, or, or that's an ugly part of our history. I, I would never suggest that America is perfect or has been perfect. The people aren't perfect because I know the people pretty well. I'm one of them, uh, and you are too. And, and the, the, the land isn't really what I'm so concerned about, it's the principles, it's the vision that's what america is and that's what we have to claim as our own in our hearts that's what i love fourth of july one of my kids asked me a few weeks ago what's your favorite you know your favorite holidays i said well you know christmas you kind of have to say that and then I, and i was thinking about it like well thanksgiving easter fourth of july it kind of came down to those three and i thought you know even though i'm probably supposed to say easter because i'm a pastor i really like the fourth of july like i just love this time because it does allow us it allows us to kind of remind ourselves what we're a part of when we say we're Americans. Um, so we're not about the kingdoms of this world. If America folded up and closed tomorrow, um, you know we might be sad. We might be even heartbroken. But we recognize our purpose in life, our eternal mission are not tied to our government at all, thankfully. Uh, but uh, what what the principles of liberty mean to us um, those are those are tied to our destiny and to our mission. And I'm thankful that I get to live in a country that provides me a context to live out my purpose in life for the Lord um, in, in such a rich and robust way. So we're going to talk about that over this month. Uh, today, as old Abe Lincoln, Honest Abe, kind of alluded to, we're going to talk about that founding creed of America, the one principle that somehow in the history of humanity, no one had the boldness to put on paper and to actually organize around, and it was the premise that everyone is created equal. See, the reason no one wanted to organize around that is because whoever's in charge of a situation likes being in charge. So it really takes some humble, loving selflessness for a leader to come up and say, you know what, I'm not going to be the king. Instead, I'm going to recognize that all of us together are equals um, in, in our ability to make choices and the value of our souls. And so together we walk forward, you know, and so, so it takes us away from dictatorship and monarchy and tyranny and communism and all of that, all, all the systems where people control other people, we say, no, that's not us. We believe that all men are created equal. We believe that God has given them an unalienable rights. We believe that there's something special about you and I not because we're Americans, America is just what recognizes that you're special and defends that. Other cultures, other countries, sadly, don't always defend that, and we pray that they would. All right? So we'll talk about this again throughout the course of the month, um, but here's what I'd like us to ask and answer today and find, find some truth in the Bible that you might not have seen before without kind of thinking of it in this context. So why are we equals? I mean, honest Abe there told us the truth, right? I mean, we have different jobs, we have different, we're different sizes, we have different giftings, we have different eye color, we have different skin color, we have different hair color, uh, we have different interests, we have different beliefs. Why are we equal if everything about us is so different? So, to start answering that question, turn in the Bible to Acts 17, verse 16. Acts 17, verse 16, we're going to see a conversation that the Apostle Paul had with some philosophers in ancient Greece, and why what he said changes everything about how we see ourselves, and thus how we see our neighbors, and what we do with our country. Okay, so Acts 17, verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all of them who had happened to be there. He had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say, these strange ideas that he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seemed to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. It's a good thing they didn't have the internet, right? would have just destroyed their culture, maybe like other places. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way, for as I was walking along I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He is, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand how they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he has proved to everyone that he will do this by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. So, here the Apostle Paul offers a principle long ago, to the philosophers of Athens, that I think defines why we would say all people everywhere are created equal, that even though there are so many things that we could make a list of that are different about us, there is something fundamentally the same that makes it, that makes it illogical and impossible for you to lord it over someone else, or for someone else to lord it over you. And any system or any attempt to organize society that creates a hierarchy like that ultimately fails because it fails, it doesn't, it doesn't even account for what human nature actually is. All right, so here's a few things we can think through when we consider what Paul was saying. First of all, God, who transcends everything in this world, created human beings, so he says, here's, here's God. He doesn't live in temples made by human hands. You know, back in ancient cultures, they tried to shape idols to represent God and worship those. Said so that's not going to work because God transcends everything that you can see and understand about this world. There's more going on than just what you see. There's, there's something bigger happening in creation, in time and space. The second thought is when Paul says, even your own poets, that's to the Greeks, saying we are God's offspring, well that's true, meaning our identity transcends this world. You're not just an arrangement of dirt from planet Earth. Uh, You're not just whatever you look like physically or the DNA that you have. There's something more to you, something bigger, something more eternal, something more special and valuable that has to be accounted for. And then the third thing, every human being shares the same ancestry and thus the same identity. From one man, the Bible says, God created all the nations of men. But when the Bible says nations, typically it's referring to the concept of people groups, not political nations. So wherever, if you take Ancestry.com test and you see what percentage you are of everything, every percentage of whoever you are, however you're made up, all of that started with one person. And thus we would say we are one blood, we are one race under God. He created us, and as a result of that creation, now all of us share our ancestry, all of us have this divine spark of life, something special, something important. And if you lose that, if you, don't, if you can't talk about that, uh, you, you start to lose the very essence of what it is to be a human being. And then, as we see in our culture, you start ending up, you know, dividing along tribal lines or starting to organize by what color you are, or what class you are, and you build society based on power. That's not at all what America was founded to be, and that's not at all what humans were designed to be. There's something more going on, okay? Going all the way back to Genesis 127, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. So you look at that text and you say, okay, so that is my essential identity. That's who I am. And that's who my neighbor is. That's who my enemy is. That's who my unborn baby is. That's, that's every human being is that, created in God's image. Say, so if that's true, then, then I don't get to exercise power over other people. Instead, I have to look at other people as... Equals. All men are created equal. All of us are given by our creator certain unalienable rights. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week, but unalienable, unalienable rights means rights that essentially can't be taken away because they're built in. That it, it is who you are. Not because you deserve it. It's just because that's who you are. God made you to be his child. God made you in his image. And when you understand that, suddenly you realize that's going to impact not only what I think of my life and whether I use it wisely, but that dramatically impacts how I treat other people. If I lose that, suddenly things start to fall apart. All right, so here's a way you might define yourself if you want to think of it in these terms. The transcendent Creator God made you for purposes that are far bigger than this world, you are eternally valuable, your soul matters, your life is filled with more meaning than we can even understand. So that's true, and if you're setting out to build a society knowing that that's true, what would you say at the founding of that society? Everybody should follow the king because he's smarter? No. Um, The king was born in a, you know, a special family line with royal blood and we should appreciate that? No. Uh, Maybe we should all throw our smartest bureaucrat in the room and let him make our decisions? No. See, if you're trying to organize a society based on this principle, all you can end up with is because all people are created equal, we work together and government only happens by the consent of the governed. That is, there's no, there, there's not, there's not the ability for people to tell you what to do. Okay, so Americans, founders didn't establish any of this; they just recognized it. So, if you were to travel outside of America, if you got really brave and crossed the Canadian border one day, are you still created equal? Well, sure, if you go to, if you go to India and you, you hang out there and you realize, wow, there's just about everything possibly that's culturally different between people who might live in a hut in India and you from Berrien Springs, Michigan, uh, are, are those people as valuable to God as you are valuable to God? Well, sure they are. See, it doesn't matter where you go. America doesn't make people equal. America just recognized that people were intrinsically equal and built a society uh, based on that. They were willing to admit that human purpose comes from God, okay? And I would contend that if you lose that premise, if you're not willing to admit that human purpose from, comes from God, then you cannot live in a free society. Those two, that You have to start with human purpose comes from God before you can end up with freedom. So this is why a just government can't, can only derive its power from the consent of the governed. Because each person has transcendent eternal value. Each person's soul matters more than systems or governments, okay? So your value, if you wanted to just summarize it this way, your value as a human being, like you look in the mirror, you count, you matter, not because you're serving a king or dictator really well and they smile upon you. You matter not because you have, you know, a master or owner or something like that. Uh, you matter not, not because the state agency or committee determined that you matter and are worthy of something. You don't matter because of your group identity. This is where our culture is so messed up right now, thinking that because of your group identity that entitles you to something or that means something or, or you have to, you know, that, that, you set all that aside and you realize the reason that my life counts for something is because I am made in God's image for God's purposes. And my mission in life is to live that out to the best of my ability. All of us would say, wow, I'm so thankful I live in a country in a legal structure that recognizes that. The purpose of my life is not just to defend that legal structure. I'm grateful for it. My purpose in life is way bigger than any of that. So, our American reset, like if we're going to go back to the founding and say, what are we actually supposed to be? What are we supposed to become? as a people, we start here, it's a reset of our identity, recognizing what God created us to do, who God created us to be, we realize God designed us to become what He became personally, we start to recover our vision for national unity, government, and purpose, okay? So you could ask it this way, if you wanted to just really, very frankly, confront a lot of the poison that's out there in the world today, are you first of all, in your definition of who you are, an American? Well, no, there's a cheat sheet on the screen here. You're not. Um, Are you, first of all, your ethnicity? Like, would that be the first thing that would matter about you? No. Are, Are you, first of all, your history? Like, what happened to you or what happened to other people like you? No, that's not it either. Those things matter, but that's not the first of all as far as your human identity. Are you, first of all, your gender? Well, no. First of all, beyond all of that, you were created as a child of God. Those other things are true to describe you going after the fact that you're God's child, not before. So we start with that premise. So you can look in the eyes of any other American citizen, whether you disagree with everything they believe in or you just are totally in lockstep with them, and you say, first of all, you're God's child. First of all, I see God's image in you. I don't see all these differences first. If you get to that stage, if you get to that that line of thinking suddenly the the Declaration of Independence takes on a different kind of meaning because it wasn't just the first moment I don't know that it necessarily was officially the first moment that anyone ever had freedom. there, there are other societies that tried that other places had that, not that many um, but what it was was a declaration of independence, yes politically from the tyranny of British but it was also a declaration that human government, was supposed to mean something different than what the British system or any other monarchy style system meant. You actually get to be the king, not the king. You the people, of the people, for the people, by the people. So, we are equal in, if we wanted to straight up answer the question today, like how are we equal, here are a few things that we could say. We are equal in our human purpose, created in God's image, to be living souls that matter forever. You know, when the Apostle Paul went to Athens and offered this to those philosophers, part of why it was surprising to them was because Paul was claiming to have this big meta-narrative. They were used to just picking out whatever force of nature or whatever was powerful and kind of making an idol or a god to that. So here's the god of thunder, and here's the god of war, and here's the god of harvest. And and, and Paul says, no, I want to talk to you about something that's bigger than any of that. And not only that, this god— is more related to you than you know. You are his offspring. You are his children. And so your life matters in a different way, and your life is made to be eternal. And then he introduces Jesus and the resurrection of the dead, and that's when a lot of them it just kind of blew their minds. They're like, well, we'll have to talk later about this. It's too much. The idea that not only does the purpose of everything and the God we worship, not only is he bigger than this world, but this is all supposed to last forever. So... We're equal in our created purpose. We're also equal in our responsibility to seek God, to honor his moral truth, to love one another to the best of our ability. And so when we think about our identity, we think about how we, what we do with our lives, how we decide to define ourselves. Our reference is not first, how do I feel about myself or what do I want? The first reference we make is what did God make me to be? What does God want? He's my creator. Okay, so we're equal in our responsibility to that. We're also equal in our expectation of personal judgment after our earthly life when we're evaluated, facing both consequence and celebration for everything that we did in our lives. The Bible talks about this all over the place. The, the, it's, it's a wonderful moment and a terrible moment depending on what happened in your life. When, when, when God looks at you not as a white person, a black person, an American, a Canadian. When God looks at you as a human being, one of his children, what did you do with the life and the soul that I gave you? That moment we all share in common. Okay, and then lastly, we're equal in our eternal destiny, as long as we embrace it, to live with God forever in joyful and perfect freedom. That is what God wants for every person he's ever created. That is what God wants for you. And so there is no ranking order. There's not like, oh, God would really rather have that kind of person and then maybe he'll take you later. No, God loves you. You are his child. When you embrace your destiny with God by believing in Jesus, you become a part of something that's going to be much, much bigger than any earthly affiliation that you would have. Okay, so just wrapping up. As Americans, we can be grateful for the context our country provides for us to live out our purposes. I don't know where else in the world I would rather live if I said, you know, I want to be free to pursue God's purpose for my life. I want to live my life for eternal meaning. I I would rather be here than anywhere else. America isn't our purpose. It just protects our ability to pursue it. That's why political, religious, and economic freedom matter so much. If you chip away at any of those three, you eventually chip away at the idea that all people are created equal and you eventually start to compromise the freedom that you enjoy to pursue god's purpose for your life and so we would say in every category that's possible uh, we want to defend freedom not because freedom in itself is the pursuit it's because freedom provides the context for you to live the life that god gave you And that's what i celebrate today that's what i'm so excited about i'm glad to live here um, of course, but no matter where I lived, I would say that's still my purpose. Just America gives you a runway, it paves the way for you to be able to pursue that without as many obstacles as a lot of other places in the world. I just want to conclude with words that we're all familiar with because we know, as Abe Lincoln mentioned as well, this whole thing is kind of an unfinished task. You know, John Hancock signs that Declaration of Independence. It wasn't a done deal in that moment. There were battles to fight. There still are. There, there are there's, there's philosophy to change. There are minds to win. There are hearts to win in every new generation. Martin Luther King wrote it so well and spoke it so well uh, from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. He said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So if you believe that, we start not by thanking the founding fathers, but by thanking God, our creator. And then saying, Lord, with whatever, whatever I have in front of me, how do you want me to live my life? So let's pray and ask God for the courage to answer that question. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for our country. Thank you for the independence we have not just from other political powers out there, but the independence we have personally to live in liberty and freedom. Wow, what, a, what an amazing blessing that most human beings who've ever lived have not gotten to enjoy. And yet here we are, sitting on the pinnacle of a, of a culture that not only still offers us freedom day to day, but also immense and undeserved prosperity So Lord, as we have all of this opportunity in front of us, I pray that we would first of all not think about what our neighbor should be doing or what the president should be doing or what some politician should be doing, but Lord, that you would convict our hearts about what we should be doing in the pursuit of our purpose in life, to honor you, to love you, to maximize the eternal soul that you've loaded into us. And Lord, when the moment comes, if the moment comes for us to stand for what's right and protect the freedom of other people, I pray that you give us the courage to do that as well. We thank you for America and all that it means to us. We thank you even more for the principles that undergird it, the principles that define it. That's what we want to hold on to today. That's what we want to celebrate today. In Jesus' name we pray. If you'd all stand with me one more time, we get to sing America the Beautiful.